the nonprofit MBA purpose is to provide new business insights and fresh creative ideas for executive directors and their teams that will help them improve their organization. Here is your host, Stephen Halasnik. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Elastic, and I will be your host for today's nonprofit MBA podcast. I am co-founder of Financing Solutions, and Financing Solutions is the leading provider in the United States of lines of credit for small nonprofits. Uh, if you're interested in learning more about our line of credit program, please visit us at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. I would tell you that the uh, nonprofit line of credit is extremely popular. It's something that nonprofits haven't had access to uh, in forever and, and through commercial banks. And uh, it's something that you should definitely look into. Today, I'm very excited to be speaking with Melissa Galasso from Galasso Learning Solutions. Melissa is the CEO of Galasso Learning Solutions. Melissa founded GLS in 2016 to combine her passion for technical accounting and public speaking while making a difference in the profession. Melissa loves practical learning, engaged audience is, and interactive sessions that leverage the best of adult learning theory. Melissa is the author of Money Matters for Nonprofits, How Board Members Can Harness the Power of Financial Statements by Understanding Basic Accounting. Melissa, welcome to today's Nonprofit MBA podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, you know, I think this is actually going to be one of the uh, the more listened to podcasts that I've done. And we've done about 150 of them so far, so over four years. And I think the reason being is that uh, uh, financial reporting and, fi- and understanding the financial end of an income statement, a balance sheet, uh, even a tax return scares the Uh, the heck out of people, doesn't it? Uh, Yeah, most people get very overwhelmed. The numbers are different. The the categories that we use are different, the terms we use. And so all of a sudden, even someone who has a little bit of a financial background, they look at it and they freeze and they're not necessarily sure what they want to do with it, or they don't want to ask any questions because they don't want to sound like they're, you know, uninformed, or they're just so overwhelmed that, you know, people vote to approve financials that they actually don't understand. Yeah, I, I, you know, and it's everyone of my audience is going to be surprised. I'm a listeners. Uh, I'm not really good at finance. <laughs> I'm not good at financing. I, you know, I'm lucky that I have a business partner who does understand that really well, and I have a different skill set than he does. But I tell you what, like I've been doing this for over 11 years now, the financing solutions, and I've picked things up pretty well, you know. And I mean, everyone says, well, yeah, well, it's 11 years, but still. So I think that it's a lot easier than you think it is, isn't it? Absolutely. Because I think you also have to remember what the uh, purpose is, right? So if you're serving on a board, that's not the same as preparing the financial statements or being responsible for writing the disclosures. You're there really to ensure the financial reporting is accurate. It's timely. It's fair. Um, You're trying to ensure that we're doing the correct things with the fundings. You're asking the right questions about program versus support. Uh, and so you don't have to know the debits and credits. You don't need to be in the weeds there. You really, um, you know, it's not that hard to step back and say, okay, what are some of the things that we want to track? What are the KPIs we want to look at? What are the ratios we want to be evaluating ourselves against? 
Um, and then it's actually kind of fun. Uh, it, you know, it kind of becomes more of like a game, like, okay, well, how are we doing this time around? And it becomes more engaging um, instead of trying to be in the weeds. And I think too many people are like, well, if I don't understand every line item and every disclosure, then I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. I, I, and um, it, I think the keyword first, like, there's a couple of things that I, I, that I kind of know. The first thing is it needs to be, there needs to be a routine, right? Like, I don't know if it needs, if it's every meeting or once a quarter, but there needs to be a financial review, right? At the board meetings, right? Absolutely. Um, and, and uh, so that needs to be a gift that needs to be done. Okay. Um, I think the second thing is whenever you see something and there's not going to be many, whenever you see an item, you don't understand either ask or Google it. Yeah. Right. I mean, Google is our friend. Uh, it yeah. gives you a lot of information. Uh, and I think, you know, I think it is important to have those meetings regularly because so often what happens is we do the budget at the beginning of the year and then we look at how we did at the end of the year. And if you're not making changes, you're not being proactive and you're not responding to what's happening, you're not seeing the pattern or the trend, you're not going to make the budget. You're not going yeah. to exceed the budget. It's just sort of a lot of effort on the front end and it doesn't isn't the tool that's meant to be. So having the yeah. conversation about what's being spent is super important consistently, as you said, so that we can be making changes and then asking questions. You know, I teach accounting for a living and it happens every once in a while where someone will ask me a question. I'm like, that's an awesome question. And honestly, I don't know the answer, but I'm happy to get back to you because I don't think everybody knows everything. And you have to be willing to ask questions and be willing to say you don't know, but you're happy to look into it uh, or, you know, ask questions and have that person get back to you with something uh, that's going to be really beneficial to you long term. So asking yeah, questions I, is never a problem and not always having the right answer is also okay. Yeah. But I've been there where I've learned, I've had to learn something new. And, you know, in the beginning you're like, oh my God, I don't want to ask a dumb question. It's different. If someone asks you something now and you don't know it, it's, it's not like, uh, okay. Could you, could you tell me what a balance sheet is again? Uh, I mean, I, you know, I get it. Uh, people don't want to appear stupid. Right. And, and versus, you know, someone says to you, um, how do you immortalize real estate holdings? <laughs> I, I know it's a simpler question, but, but for you, you know, whatever. But, uh, anyway, uh, so I, I think I get it. I get it. But that's why Google's our friend, right? You, you can just kind of look at it better. Um, the third thing that I would also say too is, and I'm on uh, on a board of a nonprofit, of course. So, um, is is you should be going over your KPIs every meeting, right? And this is where I'm going to come back to you. Now, KPIs for those our listeners who are not sure what that stands for is key performance indicators. It's measure important measurements. And in my opinion, if you go over KPIs every meeting and make it part of your agenda. Uh, by the way, you should have an agenda. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, idea. then, then uh, it becomes this natural and, and you can kind of get through it quickly and everybody's going to understand the KPIs, right? So it, as an accounting professional in the nonprofit sector, what are some of the key KPIs that you think nonprofits should be tracking? Absolutely. I think um, there's some that are pretty standard that will be applicable to lots of entities. And then I also think that there are some that are going to be more um, specific to a particular industry. Uh, so if you're in the hospital uh, you know, industry and you, you're working there or you're in a free clinic, you're going to have different KPIs, even though that's healthcare, right? 
a hospital that's a nonprofit will have different KPIs yeah, than, true, yeah. you know, someone that is working specifically in, uh, you know, in a free clinic. But there are certain things. Uh, I'm a big fan of starting off with just basic ratios, right? So looking at things like leverage, looking at things like turnover, trying to have a decent understanding there of what are some of the key things that are happening from the financial statements. What story is the financial statement telling us if, you know, how is our debt coverage looking? Uh, what are some of the things that we need to be thinking about uh, in order to go through this uh, and track? Uh, and so I think there are some financial statement ratios that can be done every single time just to be comfortable, right? I think a liquidity ratio to understand how many cash days cash on hand do I have, right? And if we're not worried about cash, maybe we won't track that anymore. So we start with KPIs that are important to us. If we're really struggling with cash flow, I'm going to track KPI around days cash on hand for a little bit of time. And then once we are sitting on a good amount of cash and we're no, we're no longer worried about that, right, then we might take that off of our KPI list and replace it with something that would be more applicable. Um, but we start off with the ones that are most important to us. And then I think the KPIs should grow. Um, even, you know, within small businesses, that's something that I do for my small business. We started off with KPIs seven years ago, and their current KPIs look nothing like that. Uh, so I think they should grow with you. Um, but always looking at things like debt coverage, especially if we have to be making debt payments. I think COVID taught us a lot about having to think about what that, uh, you know, the coverage is going to be. Can I cover my principal and interest? And then operating ratios, I think, are the other ones that are really helpful for almost all nonprofits just to understand where is my funding coming from? Am I primarily funded by contributions? Is that ratio growing or shrinking? Am I predominantly uh, being funded by exchange transactions? Or is that an area that is growing or shrinking uh, over time? Uh, and then fundraising, right? So when we think about the various ways that we go through this, you can have an efficiency ratio, you can just have your fundraising ratios to understand how all of that is, uh, you know, how am I being funded uh, is very important. And then the opposite side of it, it's not the money coming in, but how am I spending my funds? And so looking at different spending ratios, like your program, what percentage is being spent on program, what's being spent on management in general, what's being spent on fundraising, uh, and really trying to have a good understanding about the implications there. Now, I do warn in the book that there is this, you know, sort of overhead myth, and I, I warn people all the time, the goal is not to be a 100% program, but we do need to have other uh, expenses out there to not have go through starvation cycles and things of that nature. But to really be tracking those types of items help a lot of nonprofits uh, to think about, okay, well, how's the money coming in? How's the money coming out? Is that a growing area of our entity? Is that a shrinking area of our entity? And then once we have those basic understandings, then we can look at things like trend analysis. We can look at further uh, types of analysis to understand. And then the different types of KPIs. And I think those KPIs can you know, very much vary depending on the organization um, and what your mission is. So we'd be tracking things related to number of people served. Uh, and we'd, again, what that target is based on um, our definition and our type of nonprofit. And then maybe some leading and lagging indicators, right? So number of donors uh, and you know the types of donors so that we can see where we're getting our funds from. So every nonprofit really needs to be thinking about um, you know, different items uh, and what would make sense for them. But I also try to warn people not to have the kitchen sink. Right? Yeah. There shouldn't be 200 <laughs> ratios or 200 KPIs that we're tracking because then it's almost overwhelm. And then we set people up to be you know, really uncomfortable and uh, not really know what to do with all the data. So pick the ones that are most important and let them shift over time.
Yeah, I, I, I uh, you know, I'm just thinking about this nonprofit that I that I just joined the board recently on, and um, you know, it reminds me that that we have to, I have to tell them we got to start having KPIs, and you know, what I would tell them in, in, is, and when it comes to KPIs, I'm very good at that, but you know, you start you start small, so you should know, you know, what's the revenue year to date that you have, and what are you expecting forecasting for the year? Where are you in that ratio? So keep this stuff simple. Uh, what is your payroll? Because payroll is the number one thing that uh, nonprofits often have to worry about the most. And, and, and often it's a re- one of the reasons why they have a line of credit with us is because there's uneven cash flow. And then I like what you said for like maybe the third key KPI and that is, um, what is where does our funding come from? What percentage comes from fundraising? What percentage comes from grants? What percentage comes from the government? And track that. Um, so that would be, that's not a third KPI. It's like a subset of the first KPI, which is revenue, right? Um, what is our uh, cash on hand, right? Um, what is our, uh, how much money do we owe? Right. So these are some basic things that I think um, you definitely should 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 be on top of. Can can you think of a simple anything else that's simple that they should start off with? You know, I always think that even if we don't have the board do it, but if someone in, in management um, from finance can just do a budget to actual, right? So oh, yeah, we budgeted yeah. for this. And then these are our actuals. And this is why we're not where we are. We're not on track. And I'm a big fan of red, yellow, green, you know, green, yep. we are, we are looking like we're going to hit it yellow. You know, we have a couple of things we need to work on and red is we really need to reconsider <laughs> like, what is our target here? Do we need to make an about face um, and just have that nice budget to actual, because if we're not using the budget, it's a lot of effort with very little return. And a budget can be a really nice guide. It's sort of like make sure that you're in the middle of the road, right? And that you haven't veered one way or the other. It kind of lets you know what you're doing compared to what your expectations were. But it also isn't completely like a barrier on the side of the road where you can't move. It just lets you know that you're making a conscious decision to move over to a different lane. So we're not going to achieve that. We're going to make that decision. You know, I was on a board uh, in 2020. So it was a, a fiscal year. So in 19, it was looking great. In 20, towards the end, we recognized, well, okay, well, th- that's just, we have to, we have to shift. We have to make changes. We're not going to hold that, yeah. you know, big end of the year, uh, you know, special event. So, okay, well that, how are we going to make up for that cash? What are we going to do instead? So you have to use the budget as a really nice guardrail, but not as sort of like a, you can't thou shall not pass a uh, type of item. Yeah. I like what you're saying too, because it, it, it gives you, if you don't, if you do the budget and you do your KPIs and review them uh, at every board meeting, you get warn- warning signals earlier, don't you? Right. Yeah. It allows you really to advise, which is really the responsibility of the board, right? Yep. I um, mean, that's the whole point is to get permission to make a change, right? So, yep. hey, we had this planned, but we can't, that's not going to work this year. Something happened. We just don't have the capacity for that. What can we do? Board, help us out. What would you give permission for? What would be you okay with? Uh, but the board members have to be able to understand, well, where do those numbers come from and what's a reasonable alternative? When people come to you, right, why do they usually come to you? So I actually specialize in teaching CPA firms 
about what's going on in the areas of accounting and auditing. So I teach the current uh, gap changes that are out there. So right now, a lot of conversation about the new ASU, ASU 2020-07, that was effective in June that requires special presentation and disclosure around gifts in kind, which is obviously a big area in the nonprofit world. Uh, and so I will help the firm understand some of the implications from a financial reporting perspective. I'll help them understand it from an audit perspective. We'll talk about how to help clients implement it. And then they actually go out and work with the nonprofit and they help them to achieve the financial reporting outcomes that are needed. So I feel like I get to guide the CPAs in really working one-on-one -on -one with these nonprofits. And it's been a phenomenal experience because we get to talk about nonprofits of all different shapes and sizes. I work with CPA firms of all different shapes and sizes all over the country. Uh, and gap changes and it changes and it requires new information. Uh, leases is obviously a hot topic right now for those who follow gap, uh, having to put these new leases on the books that have been off balance sheet for so long. So what are the implications of this? When they talk to people about getting a line of credit and they say, hey, you know, where did all these you know, liabilities come from? You're like, well, actually, we've had these liabilities for 20 years. It's just now being put on the balance sheet. We have that conversation. Uh, mm. And so I teach the continuing professional education that CPAs need in order to go out there and really do a great job for the public and to protect the public's interest by ensuring financial statements are accurate. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I think the other thing is that you got to remember a lot of our listeners too are smaller nonprofits, and you listen. You got to be using an accounting package. I don't care what it is. You got to be using an accounting package. Uh, that's a no brainer. Um, can't be using an Excel spreadsheet. It's just no. or your bank statements. You can't. It just doesn't work. Even if you are cash basis, you still want information about yep. the details of the transaction. That's how, you know, when we look at fraud, fraud that happen, it's from not having sufficient information and detail into what's going on. So whether you're cash basis or your gap basis, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, whoever's preparing the financial statements, if we're not looking at the details, if we're not pulling that information, we're not reviewing balance sheet reconciliations, regardless of the size of the organization, we can't capture the opportunity for fraud there. We're not doing that review. We're not taking on that fiduciary responsibility. And so we want to make sure that those things are happening regardless of the size of the organization, that you just can't look at the, the bank statement and say, well, that looks reasonable, right? We want to have the details. We want to know what's happening and produce a reasonable financial statement um, that will tell the story of the organization. And that helps to get grants and to get loans. Officers are going to look for a lot more detail than, well, here's my bank statement. They want you to be able to tell your story. Yeah. And this is the other thing. I think, you know, you want to, you're always wanting to walk before you can run. And if everybody who's listening wants to build a bigger organization, you want to either help more people or you want to, you know, uh, deliver on your cause and you want to grow bigger. It's just, that's what you do. Right. Um, there are fundamental things that a nonprofit does as it grows. And, you know, I'm having using accounting packages, it's a simple one, but that's one, right? The other one is reviewing financial statements, having a budget, having KPIs. As you grow, it's so much easier if you get in the habit of doing it now versus all of a sudden you're starting growing, growing, and growing, and you haven't been doing this. And then you got more things thrown at you because I'm going to tell you that what I know about building a company or building a nonprofit, it's, it's about great execution. And everything we're talking about today 
is involved in great execution. Yeah, it's a tactical, you know, day-to-day operations. And, you know, so often we just assume, right, uh, you know, and I hate to read it in the newspaper. They're like, you know, XYZ, you know, very low-level accountants that steals millions from organization yep. over a 20-year period. It's not like they're stealing, you know, a ton right now. It's usually over a long period of time. And what we're finding is that it could have been caught with simple oversight. But we have the assumption is, oh, if they work for a nonprofit, they you know, they care about the mission and they would never do that. And it's sort of that trust, which, again, I believe that we should trust, but trust and verify. <laughs> uh, so go through and make sure that things are you know up to snuff and that we are doing the proper financial reporting because it's the little things that make a big difference in the long term, right? If you just have that attention to detail along the way, everyone understands that, oh, this is going to get reviewed or this is going to go through a proper internal controls, and then you're less likely to have fraud, you're less likely to have theft. And, uh, you know, you're really, you're just, you're doing the part of the board, which is governance. And that governance requires that fiduciary responsibility to review the information from a financial perspective and approve it. Yeah. You know, I, uh, let's go back to the, this board I just joined. Um, boy, I'm gonna, I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm one of the biggest fundraisers for this new organization too. And so, you know, they seem like good people, right? They're not getting paid. Uh, the, the cause is very near and dear to me. That's why I'm involved in it. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is I, I'm going to have to start asking for um, reports and documentation to see if where the money's flowing because you know so let's this is the fact of the matter is you know we deal with nonprofits all the time for financing solutions and a lot of the smaller nonprofits have family members on the board and they started that way and then they add other board members and you come on the board and you're like you think everything's on the up and up you know you think that the cause is good and then you know, this the other day, one of our clients got convicted uh, in Texas of fraud. It was major fraud, right? They they were filtering money to one of their other businesses. They were uh, the schemes that people come up with is just unbelievable. And they, they were buying. They 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 um, they said they bought a a new car for twenty two thousand dollars. They made a deal with the dealer where they said, we're going to give you $22,000. You're going to give us an invoice. We're going to let you keep $1,000. And instead, we're going to buy this used car for $10,000. And then we're, we want you to give us the, the, the rest of the money back in a check. You know, And so there was all, these, all this stuff. Now, we, we didn't find it. It was the state of Texas that had found it but, or whoever, someone in Texas found it. But, um, but it was all those types of things that, I was like, wow, you know, the, the, the things that people come up with and as a board, you know, listen, let's face it. If you, if you're joining the board, you really care about that cause. And now you have money being skimmed off the top somewhere else. So, um, so I, I think, you know, I, I think you've taught me a lesson today too. And that is, I need to be on top of this, uh, regardless. Um, now let's, let's turn our, topic to something else. And that is what financial documents do you think you should be reviewing on a consistent basis? As the board member? Yes. 
Well, obviously, as, as a, not just a board member, but telling the board, we should all be reviewing this. We should all be reviewing a balance sheet, an income statement. What else do you think that they you should be reviewing? So definitely the four financial statements. If your cash basis, obviously, you don't need to have a statement of cash flow separate from your other accounts, but you should be looking at how the money is being spent. So you want to look at the balance sheet and you want to make sure that balance sheet recs are being performed. So whether that is somebody at the uh, at the entity who's preparing them and the board reviews them, which is a great internal control to see if there are things like we don't know or unreconciled amounts, right? The, the bank says that I have $100, but the the books tell me I have 50. Like, well, why why is that? It could be legitimate. Like, okay, well, there's a, a, a check that has not cashed yet, or there is a, um, you know, there's a deposit in transit, right? There's all these timing differences that can happen. And so that's okay. Um, but we want to know what they are. And um, by review, each of the accounts. And again, for most simple nonprofits, they don't have thousands of accounts. They have a relatively few number that is on the balance sheet. So you want to look at the balance sheet and then you'd want to look at the balance sheet reconciliations to make sure that there are explanations for differences or that, um, you know, if there's significant receivables, right, how aged are they? So we want to look to see, are these going to ever be received? Um, And so kind of going through that. So I would always start with the, you know, obviously the balance sheet, statement of financial position. Um, And then the statement of activities, which is the equivalent of the income statement and kind of walk through the revenues and expenses and are the expenses trending in the way that makes sense. Now, depending on how they make a statement of activities or income statement, you might not have enough detail. Um, You might just be using um, your functional categories there. And so then you would want to have a natural classification. You'd want to look at salaries. You want to look at rent. You want to look to say, okay, does this seem reasonable? And you'd want to take a look at that um, very regularly as well. And if there's any trends, I know don't just look at one year, don't just look at two years, but try to look at some period of time to say, okay, is this trending in a direction that makes sense? Um, And there's a statement that's an optional statement um, for nonprofits, which is called the statement of functional expenses. And it's probably one of my favorite. I think you get a lot out of it. Um, It's required for gap purposes to either be a statement or to be a note disclosure. So there's an option on presentation of it. But it's one of my favorite because it takes a look at every line item. So it's going to take salaries and then it's going to say, well, how much of the salary is spent on the program, right, on what we do, on the mission? And then what percentage of salary is being spent on fundraising? And what percentage of the salary is being spent on management in general and overhead type items? And then it goes through rent. And then it goes through each of the different income statement line items. And it looks at it from the three functions. And it basically lets us know the story of the organization, right? And starts to see where we're spending money and how much of it's going to the program. Um, So often it tells so much about the story of the organization, but I don't see it used um, as frequently as I think it should be because I think it tells a really amazing story about, look, every, you know, we look at the salaries that were increasing. It wasn't that the CEO got a big increase. Look, it's telling us that the organization um, put more money to people who are out in the field working on the program. Um, And it looks at rent and what is the square footage that's being allocated to the program versus what's the square footage that's being allocated to uh, the uh, to different elements. And so um, that's one of my favorite to look at. Again, it's required under gap financial statements. But when I work with smaller organizations, they don't necessarily take the time to prepare it because it does require allocation. It does require a little bit more work. But I think it tells a story that one, banks like to hear. Right. I'd like to know that whatever percentage is going to 
the program versus what's going to other uh, uses like uh, fundraising or management in general. Um, and so that's one of the ones I really think that um, could tell a better story for organizations, especially smaller organizations um, that don't have as many bells and whistles that really can give you a nice story that you want to look at. And then you always want to make sure, again, that you're looking at obviously the bank statement. And you'd look at the bank statement as part of the either balance sheet reconciliations for cash or just to review uh, the ins and outs. Because very often the board is that fiduciary responsibility, right? When we think about the duty of care, one of the key considerations of the board, right, that is ensuring that all of the um, elements related to um, the finances are being brought together and cash is so important, right? The liquidity of an organization is so important. And so really ensuring that we have sufficient cash, that we are reviewing it and then having policies around the the cash and the acceptance and things of that nature. Yeah. I um, Let's like our organization, Financing Solutions, we look at every line item on the bank statement. And so I, I think that, uh, and that tells us a lot, um, so I would highly recommend to the board members is that every month you look at the bank statement and you look at the credit card statement, right? If you're going to really, you know, I'm not trying to drive home the fraud thing, but I'm thinking about it now. I'm saying is, you know, if you look on there and you see Netflix is coming out every month, right? And we see this all the time. Okay. And I don't think the board really looks at it at all, you know? And you think, uh, so, uh, you know, the, the balance sheet, the income statement, um, uh, the cash flow, that's not going to give you that level of detail that's going to tell you, you know, and it's not hard to look through these things. It's, it's really, really quite simple. Um, so and I, the other thing I would think about, too, is if you have somebody on your board who's in charge of uh, the, you know, the accounting and finance end of it, um, you should understand the relationship between that person and the executive director of the organization. You know, I know a lot of our listeners are executive directors right now that are listening. And so don't get, please don't get, uh, <laughs> you know, what's the right word? Um, uh, don't, uh, uh, don't, you know, I, I think you, as an, right? <laughs> yeah, I think as an executive director, you want to run a good organization too. You want to cover your, but if you're if you're running a good organization and then you want to make sure that everyone feels comfortable uh, with it and don't take it personal. Right. Um, because uh, it's it's this is the way a, like like I said, as you begin to grow and you become a five million, 10 million, 15 million dollar nonprofit, you better get used to this because this is this is common. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, the executive director is there to really fulfill the mission, the mission. Uh, you know, on behalf of the board. And they would want the board to have, you know, be fulfilling their part of it, which is to give the, you know, some guidance, some strategic direction and, and to ensure that they're in there. The one thing I always remind people is that if there's a financer, you know, an accounting person on the board, it's not just their responsibility. I always hear that like, well, the person on the board who's an accountant, they reviewed it. So it must be OK. Everybody on the board's responsible for asking questions because you might have a question that they didn't think to ask. Um, and so that is something that's really important is to ensure that everybody on the board has responsibility. It's great that you have a finance expert. It's one of the best practices. I mean, the SEC started requiring that for public companies 
is you had to have someone who can read these financials, but you should really have everybody with your perspective coming in and saying, hey, if I'm a marketing person and I'm looking at this marketing line item and I'm not really comfortable with the types of things that are being charged there, I should say something and ask about it, right? Yeah. So I, you know, I take my specialty, I, I look at it from my perspective and my background and I bring my wonderful background regardless of the fact that it's not accounting, right? If we had everyone on the board who was accounting, it would be a very boring you know, conversation. Yeah. You have to bring all those elements in. And so everyone brings their unique perspective and asking the questions from the perspective that you're looking at the organization, super important. Yeah, good. Well, it's all good stuff. Is there anything else that you kind of would recommend to our listeners uh, before we wrap everything up? I mean, I do think that just having a good understanding of what the different financial statements are, what should be on there, what should not be on there, um, and then knowing how to interpret timing of things is really important. So if you just have those basics, you don't need to be in the weeds. You don't need to know the debits and credits. You don't need to know how they got to where they are, but having a good understanding of what you expect to see uh, and when what is not there, you have questions as to why it's not there. That's your fiduciary responsibility. Um, and if they're large enough to have an audit, for example, or review um, that's being done by a third party, that you're engaging with them. I mean, one of the reasons why I wrote my book was that I wasn't you know, I, obviously I don't work hand in hand uh, with the individual nonprofits. I work predominantly with the CPA firms. And what they kept telling me is that they would do their presentation for the nonprofit and they'd get no questions from the board members, more of like a deer in the headlights look. And then they'd, and they'd be like, okay, you're going to vote to approve them. And they'd all vote to approve them. And there was no conversation being had. Um, but every one of the firms that I work with would love to talk about the financial statements, would love to give perspective would love to have that opportunity to answer questions about benchmarking or best practices or what they're seeing other nonprofits that are similar, right? Very often they specialize in this area. Uh, and so they would like to have that conversation. So if you do have an independent public accountant, regardless of the type of service that they're providing, that's a good person to be asking questions of and really think of them as an ally in trying to achieve the mission, right? So they're there to help ensure that the financial statements are fairly stated uh, and your job is to ensure that that's happening. Uh, and so have the conversation with them, ask them the questions, because they would rather have questions than no questions. I will tell you from years of teaching for, for CPA firms, they want to have the questions, they want to be informing, they want to provide benchmarking and guidance and things of that nature. Um, and so they want to hear from you. So really engage with those parties that when you can and, and, and make a difference. Yeah, I think you can go back to them too and say is, what KPIs do you think we should track? What financial documents should we review on a consistent basis? Um, and, and then even when you get them, you could say to them, let's have a, let's start fresh and tell us when you could, should tell us at our next meeting, what each one of these line items are. Yep. Right. And what they, what, you know, how do we use them? You know, if you, exactly. you know, that, that way it gets you away from the idea. Like you don't know what you don't know. So you don't know how to ask a question. Right. Um, and, and you start fresh right from that point of, of view. So, Good stuff. I, I'd, I'd like to thank so very much, uh, Melissa Galasso from Galasso Learning Solutions for coming on to today's podcast. And if you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. If you like today's podcast, please give us a five-star review on your podcasting app. It really helps us get the word out and it helps us with the rankings of uh, the nonprofit MBA, which is in the top 1% of uh, non-profit uh, podcasts that are listened to today. And we thank you for that um, as well. 
And of course, if you're looking for a line of credit for your nonprofit, you can call us at 862-207-4118 or visit our website at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. Melissa, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? They can reach out to us at GolasaLearningSolutions.com and the book is at MoneyMattersForNonprofits.com. Yeah, and that's Galasso, G-A-L-A-S-S-O. Yep. Yes. Good. Uh, so I want to, um, I always end my podcast by thanking all of our listeners for making the world a better place. I know that, uh, that you guys are doing the heavy lifting, that you're out there really trying to make the world a better place. We, we need you to do that. And I know that Melissa and I need to do our part in our own way to make the world a better place. Uh, we're all connected. And uh, by, by helping each other and realizing we're connected, we all can make the world a much better place. Now, the other thing I always say, too, is please uh, take good care of yourself. Um, you're the leader of your organization. You have to take good care of yourself so that you can help others. And you need to do that. Have a great day, everybody.